We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 622 of the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can always follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can find my writing at PackerReport.com. Before we get started today, I've got a lot of great stuff to go over. Going to cover some NFL draft material. Uh, really excited to finally really start digging into that, at least from a podcast standpoint. But before I do get to that, I want to start off just by congratulating both Paul Brettel and Ross Uglum, uh, both of them uh, bringing newborns into the, the world this past weekend. Uh, congratulations to both of you guys. Of course, Ross is a machine, doesn't slow him down at all. He's uh, back on the podcast yesterday and uh, he's back on the Packer Report beat and everything like that. So uh, both of these guys. I know Paul's grinding as well, getting his draft coverage in, and I think he's going to be back uh, this coming Saturday with Mark and Jason as well. So uh, I know those guys are itching to get back to the grind, but uh, some well-needed uh, time off, at least as much as possible uh, for those guys, and certainly deservedly so. So if you can, make sure to pass on your congratulations to both Paul and Ross, again, who both brought newborns into this world this past weekend. Super pumped for you guys, and uh, I know those are going to be amazing blessings for you both going forward. So congratulations to you both. 
I also want to start off by going over our NFL draft series this season. I know you've had a, an opportunity to see some of our new teams, uh, as well as kind of get to hear some new voices, some familiar voices. Uh, really excited to be bringing back both Owen Reese and Russell Brown for this draft season. Uh, they're going to be joining Jacob Westendorf. Uh, you'll hear them tomorrow. You heard them, of course, last week as well. Uh, just two very knowledgeable uh, NFL draft uh, personalities, and I, I, I'm so excited to have them back on the podcast. So welcome them back. Make sure to check out their episodes. Uh, also bringing in three uh, new members to the Packaday podcast through this draft season, Rob Rieger, Gage Bridgeford, and Brennan Rupp, uh, both who bring their own flavor of draft knowledge and uh, draft expertise that I'm super excited about. And I know you're going to really enjoy hearing from them as well. So, uh, you know, buckle in. It's it's officially NFL draft season. We, we heard today that uh, they're definitely a million percent going forward with it. Uh, apparently GMs are going to be, you know, doing this, you know, fantasy draft style from their house, uh, from their laptop, uh, which is just crazy to me that, uh, you know, it could go this way. I'm really interested to see, you know, what goes wrong. I, I guarantee you something is going to, you would think, you know, you would think that somebody's going to get hacked, like some big board's going to get, uh, you know, displayed somewhere, somehow, or, you know, some conversation over Zoom or Skype is going to get, you know, recorded or who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, you know, somebody's going to draft like the wrong Adrian P- Peterson. Remember when the Bears and Vikings both had Adrian Petersons and like your, you know, jerk best friend would try to suggest to you the wrong Adrian Peterson in your, your fantasy draft. Like uh, it's a level of ridiculous, but those are the times that we're apparently living in right now where everything is a little bit ridiculous, but whatever the case may be, we're in full fledged NFL draft season. So I couldn't be more excited. I think it's a good distraction overall uh, for us as a fan base. Um, You know, anything that can kind of take everyone's mind off of what's going on in the world right now, I think is probably a good thing. So we're going to continue to push forward. I appreciate all of you listening in. Again, I think we've got a ton of great content coming. We're going to cover some of the top prospects and have already covered some of the top prospects that we think are going to be in play for Green Bay at pick 30, or at least whenever they make their first selection, if they trade up or trade down. And we're going to go position by position and really review some of those prospects. We'll go over some of the athletic thresholds. So we've got a lot of great stuff to give to you and make sure that you're checking in every day because our team is bringing their A game for this draft season and put together some really strong teams that have a lot of great draft knowledge. So you're, again, you're going to want to be checking it out every day. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe, uh, follow, like the podcast if you can. Uh, we always really appreciate that. So tons of great content. Make sure to check it out. What I'm going to be covering today is uh, a little bit of a tweet that I sent out uh, about a week ago, and I, I got a little bit of uh, you know sarcasm uh, from from some fans. Uh, I tweeted out something to the extent of. It would not surprise me if Green Bay picked a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, center, uh, a defensive lineman, linebacker, corner, or safety uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. And of course, some people snarkily said, oh, so you mean they're going to be drafting a player? Which yes, I get that there are a lot of positions I named. Um, I'll get to why I didn't name a couple of those in just a moment. But my bigger point was this. I think last year with pick 12 and with the needs that the Packers had, you could pretty much narrow that down to a couple positions as well as just the depth of, of what was in the draft last season. I think at pick 12, you know, tight end, uh, you know, edge, inside linebacker, maybe if, if Bush or... 
uh, White had had fallen to that point, I, I think would have been a possibility. But th- there were maybe three or four positions that you could really drill down and say this is one of the positions that Green Bay is going to take if they pick at pick twelve. Now, uh, when you move back to pick thirty, there's of course going to be exponentially more options. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, pick one through twenty nine, uh, with you know pick twelve, you know that there's only eleven people going to be gone, and you can narrow it down a little bit closer. So uh, there is definitely a different level there. But I think Brian Gutekunst has done a really great job of at least adequately filling the holes that he had on this roster going into the season, uh, picking up Funchess and Kirksey and Rick Wagner to fill in those gaps where you could still address, and I expect to address all of those positions at some point in the draft, both inside or inside linebacker, wide receiver, and right tackle. I think all of those positions are getting addressed, but he can kind of now do it in any order that he wants. He doesn't have to go into the draft being like, all right, I have to get a right tackle because uh, right now it's Alex Light and, you know, that can't happen. Or, you know, we have to get a wide receiver because, you know, it's just Lazard and Adams and we saw what happened a season ago. At least they've added Devin Funchess. They're going to get Equinemia St. Brown back from injury. So they've got some, you know, players there that can hopefully adequately fill in some of that need from a season ago. Same thing at inside linebacker. If Blake Martinez, uh, you know, left in free agency, which of course he did and they didn't get Christian Kirksey and they're going into the draft with just, you know, Oren Burks uh, and and Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton at the position, you know, they're going to need a inside linebacker early in the draft. And I think he's done a really great job in making it so that a lot of positions are available. I also thought it was noteworthy that I think there are some positions that you can eliminate and kind of take off your board for the Packers at 30, which again, I'll get to in just a moment. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go position by position. I'm going to go over whether or not that position could be in play for Green Bay. And I'm going to label some players that I think could be in play at that position. And then what that would mean for the current state of the Packers roster, you know, maybe somebody that could be in trouble or or again, what that could mean overall for the the depth of the team. So I'm going to go over that position by position. And as I normally do, when I kind of go position by position, I'm going to start with quarterback. Of course, it's the most important. And this is always going to be the one that's the most contentious. And I'm not going to try to change your mind today because you already probably have a very strong belief of either, yes, take a quarterback. Like, you know, my personal opinion is it's way too important of a position. It is the most important position in all of football, in all of sports. And if you have a great one that you feel has fallen to you, you take it a hundred times out of a hundred. I just fully feel that way. Um, There's a lot of other people that say, listen, you've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Uh, Your hope is that this first round pick, if you were to take a quarterback with that, that pick would never even play, which gets you no uh, immediate return on investment in in a season where you're trying to win a Super Bowl. So uh, you're, your feet are probably pretty cemented down in your stance on that. So I'm not going to dig too far into that. Uh, And again, I'll let you decide what side of the fence that you want to be on. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle, Uh, but I'll go over what a a quarterback at 30, uh, you know, would look like, or what I think it could look like. I think it's very safe to say we know Joe Burrow's not going to be there at 30. And I think we can adequately say that Tua Tagliavoa is not going to be there at 30 either. If Tua Tagliavoa is there at 30, it means that something came back medically all of a sudden that he is not, you know, up to being picked as a first round pick. And what I mean there is that if he's available at 30, he's probably going to be available at 31 because whatever medical issue that showed up or whatever issue that showed up that causes him to be available at 30 is probably going to 
force the Packers to not take him either. So I think it's safe to say that Tua is probably not going to be in play, which would leave potentially two quarterbacks that I think Green Bay could be interested in if the situation would present itself. And that's Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Uh, With Justin Herbert, I think there's a better chance that he's gone in the top 10 than he's available at pick 30. Um, But uh, I, you know, crazier things have happened. Same thing with Jordan Love. I think there's a really good chance that he's gone in the top 20. He could even go sooner than that. And I think the odds that he falls to 30 are probably pretty slim, but I think that's the type of situation or scenario it would take for Green Bay to be in play for a quarterback at 30. And we've seen these scenarios happen before. You know, we don't all need to be reminded of the Aaron Rodgers situation. Now, he didn't fall to 30, but he fell significantly enough that he was uh, available for Green Bay to take as they were lower down the draft board. We saw Drew Locke just a season ago. You know, he was somebody that one, the the Packers were rumored to have interest in, but two, uh, that, uh, you know, was potentially at at one point going to be maybe a top 15, top 20 pick. And he falls into kind of like the middle of the second round type range. So we've seen quarterbacks fall. Teddy Bridgewater fell to the second round. Lamar Jackson fell to pick 32 just a couple seasons ago. Deshaun Kaiser, uh, to a lesser extent, another quarterback, he was in that first round discussion for a while, ended up uh, more towards the beginning of round two. So these type of things do happen happen from time to time where a quarterback that everyone was kind of expecting to go in the top 15, top 20, all of a sudden falls to the end of round one and a team has the opportunity to strike while the iron's hot and not look a gift horse in the mouth. And I think that's what this ultimately would mean. And I think this is the the time you know frame that Green Bay's in right now over the course of the next three to four years where I don't think they're going to be aggressive attacking the quarterback position, nor probably should they be. Um, you know, I don't think that you're going to see them make a move up draft boards like Kansas City did a few years ago, where they rocketed up to take, you know, a Patrick Mahomes. I don't think you're going to see them aggressively move up to take a quarterback. But I also think that they are in a situation now where if they have another Aaron Rodgers situation or scenario happen, where the rest of the NFL, for some reason, continues to pass on an ultra-talented quarterback and Jordan Love or Justin Herbert, uh, feel about them as you may. I'm not super in love with either guy. I do think both of them are first-round talents. Um, I'm not going to break them down in huge detail. Uh, We'll definitely go through these in in more detail as the podcast goes in April, but I definitely think both of them are first-round talents. But uh, regardless of what you think of them, I I do think that 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 talent for both of them is there. And if they were there at 30, I think you know Brian Gutekunst and company would have to take a strong, hard look as to whether or not that they wanted to attack either of those quarterbacks backs aggressively by using pick 30. Um, so I think that would be the, the situation or scenario that would come up. I can't really come up with a scenario where another name would be in play there. You know, maybe maybe one of the other quarterbacks has a last minute skyrocket, you know, updraft charts. But again, I don't, I don't think Green Bay is going to reach for a quarterback. I don't think they're going to be aggressive in trading up for a quarterback. I don't think they're going to trade back and then take a quarterback. I think it's going to take a situation where they really love one and all of a sudden they're there at 30 and they didn't expect it. And they're, again, they're not going to look that gift horse in the mouth. They're going to take it. They're going to run the ticket to the podium and they're going to see what happens and kind of go from there. So I think that's how it could look if, if Green Bay were to select select a quarterback at pick 30. And again, I don't really see a ton of other situations or scenarios that could play out for that specific position. 
what it would mean for the depth chart, it, it's not going to mean anything for Aaron Rodgers right now. Um, you know, Tim Boyle certainly going to be in quite a fight for the number two. In fact, I think he would be uh, pretty easily, uh, you know, supplanted at that number two position just based off of draft status alone. Uh, would definitely be fighting uh, either for the number three quarterback spot or to prove himself uh, where maybe Green Bay could trade, maybe get a seventh round, sixth round pick or something like that uh, for Tim Boyle in a trade if he performed really well in preseason, something like that. So I think it would definitely affect Tim Boyle maybe, just maybe it has a little bit of a, you know, uh, an effect of, you know, kind of what Aaron Rodgers had on Brett Favre, where you saw Brett Favre, that NFC championship game season, have a little bit more of a, a fire under him. And, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers sees a, a new first round quarterback in, and maybe it, it lights a little bit of a fire under him. I don't think it's going to matter too much. I think he's pretty confident in his status on the roster as he's kind of been quoted saying already. So uh, I don't think it's going to have uh, too much of an effect on the, the current status of the roster. But I think, again, that's the scenario that would play out. And I think it's more of just, you know, taking what's given to them and uh, and, and not looking back. So that's where I would see the the potential quarterback, you know, playing with, with both from a draft standpoint, but how they could fit in with the roster. Let's move to the running back position. Uh, a few names here that make sense, and I, I think this is a little bit of a, a double-edged sword. So what I mean by that is the reason you would maybe pick a running back here is because you realize that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents next season, and you don't want to be one of those teams that is locked up a running back into a big money, large contract deal, and then a year or two later immediately regrets it. And I, there's a lot of truth in that. I'm, I'm fully in the camp of not paying running backs big money contracts. And this is coming from somebody who absolutely loves Aaron Jones. I love watching him play. This team is unequivocally better with Aaron Jones on the team. I would love to see him be a Packer for the next however many years of his prime that he still has remaining. Uh, but I also just don't think from a, a team building standpoint, from a function of that, that it makes sense to pay running backs a ton of money uh, in the current day and age when you can kind of get them. They're a little bit of a dime a dozen. You can go running back by committee if you need to. Uh, and the teams that you see winning the Super Bowl aren't usually spending premium picks or a ton of money on the running back position. So a running back in the first round would signify that Brian Gutekunst and company maybe don't want to give that big money contract to Aaron Jones, and they want to have somebody in place that can do the role of what Aaron, you know, Jones is doing for this team. So importantly, you know, for the next you know few years without having to pay that big contract. The issue with that is that if you are a believer that you shouldn't be paying major resources financially to the running back position, you should probably also be a believer that you shouldn't be paying major resources from a draft capital standpoint at the same position. Um, and that's, again, that's my take as well. I love, love, love DeAndre Swift in this draft. And I think Dobbins and, and Jonathan Taylor are both very viable options as well. I think it's a really strong running back class. But I, again, I'm not a, a, a advocate for taking a running back in the first round or spending premium resources on the running back position. I think you can find those type of players anywhere. So again, if, if Brian Gutekunst and company is of the thinking that they want to make sure that they don't have to pay Aaron Jones next season, they're probably in the same boat that they don't want to draft a running back with a first round pick this year. 
That being said, we don't know what Brian Gutekind's thought process is on the running back position as a whole. We don't know what Matt LaFleur's thought process is. And this is definitely a team where when they were able to lean on Aaron Jones and the running game uh, for good stretches, not only as a running back, but as a pass catcher out of the backfield, this offense was running on all cylinders. So I think you look at a player like DeAndre Swift, and if all of a sudden he's there at pick 30 and he's the best value on the board, could Green Bay potentially be in the discussion there for for that type of pick to happen? Yeah, I think they could be. It wouldn't shock me. Do I think it's the right move? No. Is it something that I would do? No. Would it shock me if all of a sudden the the card came up and DeAndre Swift was on the board and they said, you know, with the 30th selection, the Green Bay Packers select DeAndre Swift? No, wouldn't shock me at all. And, uh, you know, there'd be a part of me that would be a little bit of excited because he's an exciting player. And I think he fits the Matt LaFleur offense to a T. I think he'd be phenomenal. I think he could fit that Aaron Jones role. And I'm a huge advocate that I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer in Jamal Williams uh, as a playmaking running back. And I don't think Green Bay has that type of player where if Aaron Jones were to go down with an injury, that they would have that type of production from the position at the moment. So having a little bit of redundancy there in 2020, I think would be a good thing. And having the ability to replace Aaron Jones in 2021 without giving him a big contract, I think is a good thing as well. So, and again, I'm saying that with all the love in the world for Aaron Jones. I don't want him to go anywhere. Again, it's it's just kind of how you want to reconcile those two ideas of not wanting to pay running backs, but also loving the player. It's not an easy task. Um, I'm glad that I'm not in Brian Gutekunst's shoes to make that decision. Um, but I do think there is some legitimacy to to how that could play out. Now, I don't expect it. Um, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor as well. I think J.K. Dobbins would fit well. I think he'd be a great pass protector as well for Aaron Rodgers. I think he could do some things that Aaron Jones doesn't do. Um, and then Jonathan Taylor, you know, a lot of people in Wisconsin, of course, know what Taylor's capable of, has the ability to be a playmaking back. I don't think he's quite uh, the fit in Matt LaFleur's system. He did become a little bit better uh, of a pass catcher. He still has a lot of fumbling issues. So Personally, I don't think he's going to be in play there. And I think if it were Dobbins, my guess it would be a, a trade down where they traded down into maybe early uh, in the second round and Dobbins was still there and they selected him at that point. But I think those are some names that could be in play. Um, if they were to move in that direction, maybe take a DeAndre Swift. I think it could mean that you know Dexter Williams is certainly in for the fight of his life. Um, I think he's going to have a very tough time uh, to make the roster unless they keep four running backs. I think it could put some pressure on Jamal Williams. You know, he did get the raise in his contract because he met a certain amount of snaps. Um, so he's making over $2 million a year. And if Green Bay has, you know, Aaron Jones on the roster and just invested a first round pick in a running back, maybe they like the development that Dexter Williams is showing. It could mean uh, that maybe Jamal Williams is tradable or cuttable uh, at the end of camp if they wanted to save a little bit of money. I don't foresee that. It would it would probably have to be Dobbins because Jamal Williams, it, let's say it was Swift and, and Aaron Jones um, and Dexter Williams, they're not going to have a ton of trust in any of those guys being pass blocking running backs, at least this year. So uh, I think Jamal Williams has that ability. I think if Dobbins were to be brought in, that would spell a little bit more trouble for Jamal Williams. But I think Williams is probably safe no matter what. Um, but I definitely think it would put a lot of, a lot of pressure on Dexter Williams. Let's move to receiver. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, both Judy and C.D. Lamb are going to be gone uh, by the time Green Bay picks at 30. 
I think it's also likely that Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson are gone at that point as well, although it wouldn't shock me if either were there at 30. Um, Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Denzel Mims, uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, T. Higgins, and then Michael Pittman, I think are all receivers who could potentially be in play around pick 30, whether that be moving up a little bit, moving back a little bit, uh, whatever the case may be. I think those are all names to keep in mind. I do think that there's a huge discussion to be had here in the depth of the receiver position at the draft. Uh, I do think they're going to leave the the draft with two to three receivers no matter what. And uh, I, I do think they are capable of finding really talented receivers on day two and even in early day three of the draft that could come in and contribute right away. So I do think there's a huge discussion to be had here of of whether or not receiver in round one is the best course of action when there's so much depth at the position in the draft. And you're probably not going to find that depth at offensive tackle uh, and some of the other premium positions in this draft. So uh, defensive tackle and defensive line, I should say, you know, kind of being the same thing. So I, I, I don't necessarily expect a, a wide receiver here, but you have to think that it's at least in play, especially if, you know, maybe someone like Ruggs or Jefferson were to fall to that point. Uh, and I definitely think Rager, uh, Ayuk, and Mims are, are in the conversation as well. If Green Bay were to select a receiver there at 30, which again, I think is is very, very possible, uh, you know, it doesn't mean a ton for the current depth chart on the, on the roster. So we know Adams and Lazard and Funches are going to be on the team in some capacity. I mean, it would it would be very shocking if if something were to happen with any of those three barring an injury that they weren't on the opening day roster. So I think those three are locks no matter what happens in this draft. And I think, like I said, I think Green Bay is going to leave this draft with two or three receivers no matter what. So whether they come from round one, two, seven, whatever, I think they're going to leave the draft with two to three wide receivers. And I think that inherently regardless of whether they're first or second or third round picks or day three picks, I think that's going to put pressure on guys like Equinemia St. Brown and and MVS. I don't think anything's going to be handed to those two receivers. I think both of them are in their third year now. I think Green Bay is going to try to bring in as much competition as possible. And whether that's through the draft, whether that's a Reggie Bagleton, who was again, grateful enough, uh, gracious enough to join me last week on the podcast, definitely go back and listen to that. If you haven't, Uh, he was phenomenal. I, I definitely think he's going to play a part in that receiver race. Uh, maybe they bring in another low-priced free agent. However, that may be, I can guarantee you that the you know the the receivers that were on the team a season ago, whether it's Equinemius St. Brown, MVS, Jake Kumaro, whomever, they are going to have competition, and I think they're going to be in for the fight of their lives when Green Bay brings in this new blood uh, at the wide receiver position that they plan on bringing in through the draft. So they're going to have competition, you know, no matter what. And I think everyone else behind those receivers is is going to be in for a fight regardless. So I don't necessarily think that it means a, a ton for the the current depth chart at the position, but uh, I definitely think some of those guys, no matter what, you know, especially EQ and MVS, are going to be in a fight to make the roster. At the tight end position, uh, there's just nobody. Uh, there's nobody that's in play at 30. I mean, Green Bay would have to be aggressive, aggressive in moving down. Like they would have to trade like pick 30 for like pick 60 and like a first round pick next year or something. Like some team basically made like the Jair Alexander trade just like a, a little bit later in the draft where they moved down like, you know, 20 spots in the, you know, going from the first to, to the middle to late second round and then picked up a first round pick next year or something where they just couldn't turn down the trade. Maybe one of those quarterbacks were there and some team made them an offer that they couldn't refuse. 
that would be the only situation or scenario that I could think of where, you know, towards the end of round two is where they made their first pick. And for some reason they, they picked a tight end. There's just not a tight end that is worthy of being in the top 35 picks in this draft. I don't think Green Bay is probably trading down past that point. So I just don't think uh, it's going to be in play. Um, and I do expect them to draft, you know, tight end at some point and, and maybe give a little competition uh, to, to Sternberger and, and Mercedes Lewis and, and Robert Tanyan. But I don't think it's going to be early in with pick 30. Offensive tackle, uh, definitely in play here. Uh, I think the top four are, are absolutely going to be gone. I, I, I don't like speaking in absolutes here because you just never know what's going to happen. But uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, Wills, Werfs, Becton, all those guys are, are very, very, very likely to be gone by pick 30. Josh Jones and Austin Jackson, probably the two that would be a little bit more in play here for Green Bay. Uh, you know, Jackson fits to an extent. I like Jackson. I'm not in love with Jackson. Um, there's definitely some, some athletic things that would maybe lead you to believe, uh, he could be there. There's also some testing that would believe you, you know, that maybe he, he wouldn't be a pick for Green Bay. Josh Jones, somewhat similarly, but I think both of those players just based off of their tape could be in play for Green Bay no matter what. Um, and I definitely think they could be strong picks. Uh, you know, Ezra Cleveland is somebody that's gotten a little bit of publicity because of his athleticism. His tape certainly isn't, you know, doesn't match his athleticism. And if I had to guess, I think Brian Gutekunst, I know he wasn't GM at the time, but I think he had a lot to do with that, that Jason Spriggs pick, uh, back in the day. Uh, he was the one who gave the interview, uh, with Packers.com after that pick was made. So, you know, just putting two and two together. And I, I think there's even been some, some writing about this, that it seemed to be that Jason Spriggs was kind of Brian Gutekunst's, uh, you know, one of his guys that he really wanted in that draft. Who knows for sure if that's true, but if it is, my guess is he learned his lesson a little bit from that pick and is probably not super eager to take this super talented, um, super athletic tackle that just hasn't shown up on tape quite yet, at least not with pick 30. You know, maybe he would entertain it again in round two, but I don't see that in play at pick 30. So Josh Jones and Austin Jackson would seem to be the names that would potentially be in play there. You know, Certainly Rick Wagner, you know, could be in a fight for a starting spot if they were able to go tackle in round one. If they were to move up aggressively uh, in this draft, I think this is the position that they would be they would be targeting. And whether that's, you know, because Wills or Werfs or Becton or Thomas or one of those guys fell, like if they if one of those guys fell to like 22, 23, then you're, you know, I think Brian Gutekunst is going to be a shark in water. I have all four of those guys ranked, I think in the top 10 on my draft board. And I am in love, in love with, you know, Andrew Thomas and uh, Tristan Wirfs. I, I mean, I think both of them are just phenomenal. So I think if for some reason, one of those guys were to fall into the twenties, like I said, I think you could see Brian Gutekunst make an aggressive move up. Um, but otherwise, Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, maybe a little bit later, I would be in play. And like I said, if, if they did move in that direction, Rick Wagner certainly could be in a fight for that right tackle spot. It could have some effect on David Bakhtiari next season. Uh, you know, if they if they were somehow able to land like an Andrew Thomas, and uh, you know he they they really thought that he had a as a bright of a future as I think that he does. You know, man, maybe they would consider you know not paying David Bakhtiari huge money next season. I just don't think you move on from guys like David Bakhtiari that easily. I think legitimately it would take getting a guy like Andrew Thomas, having him come in and perform amazingly, 
um, and have like David Bakhtiari have an injury issue all season where Thomas fills in at that left tackle spot and he's so good that, you know, you can't bring back Bakhtiari in a huge contract coming off an injury riddled season. And when you have a rookie playing at that level, like that's the only scenario in my mind where David Bakhtiari could be in any, any sort of trouble there. But uh, you know, I think it would definitely have a much, much, much greater effect on Rick Wagner and, and maybe some of the depth on the roster. But I think I think this is definitely a position that is massively in play for for Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst. Interior offensive line, there's really only one name that makes sense here, and that's Cesar Ruiz. And I think he would really be somewhat of an interesting pick. And I think he could be in play at 30. It may be a little bit more of a move down. Um you know, it could affect Corey Lindsley right now if they were to select Ruiz, where they would save the money. Uh, they save a pretty decent chunk of money by by moving on from Corey Lindsley. Just plug and play Caesar Ruiz from from day one, and, and trust me, if they were to select Caesar Ruiz at pick thirty, they believe that he can start right now because that is a premium pick for an interior offensive lineman, and he better be able to start day one. So it could mean the end for for Corey Lindsley immediately. They save the money, start younger, start a little bit. More more athletic, start the rookie player and let him get his career started. It could be that they keep Corey Lindsley at that position. He's so important with the play calls at the center position where Lindsley starts at center. Maybe Ruiz challenges at that right guard position with Billy Turner. You know, Billy Turner maybe moves into the top backup, uh, you know, tackle. He's played a little bit of left tackle before. So you'd be, you know, probably be your swing tackle at left and right tackle um, and, and kind of learning that left tackle, bit, you know, position a little bit in, in case of emergency would also be able to back up at both left guard and right guard if needed. So, you know, there could be some potential there as well. Um, it could be that you just let Ruiz develop for a season and move on for you know from Corey Lindsley next season, and maybe Billy Turner stays at right guard and Lindsley stays at center. And if something were to happen to either of those players or an Elton Jenkins, you've got Ruiz to step in on the interior of that offensive line. So I definitely think that that could be an option. You could even have a situation or scenario where you know Ruiz you know is, is kind of the top backup this season. Next season they re-sign Corey Lindsley, they move on from Billy Turner, they have the ability to do that. After after next season and Ruiz gets the opportunity to start at right guard next year. So this isn't the craziest thing in the world. They definitely have some needs in, you know, going into next season. You know, I, I would make a strong, strong argument that going into next season, Elton Jenkins is the only one at any of the starting three interior offensive line positions that's guaranteed a spot on the roster. And you can actually even go further than that, where, you know, I still expect David Bakhtiari to be fully back next season, but Bakhtiari's a free agent. Corey Lindsley's a free agent. Billy Turner is probably gone off his contract. If they keep Lane Taylor this season for some reason, he's a free agent going into next season. And Rick Wagner is uh, on a releasable contract next season if he doesn't play up to expectations this season. So there is a strong opportunity that you're looking at uh, starting next season on the offensive line with either only Elton Jenkins or more likely Elton Jenkins and a very, very highly paid David Bakhtiari. So you need some cheaper, younger replacements on the interior of that offensive line. So a lot of people did not like the idea that they could maybe go interior offensive line with pick 30 in this draft. If they do, it's Ruiz. And if they do, don't don't be shocked. And I, I don't think it's a bad pick at all, especially again, if they think he can be a starter day one as an interior offensive lineman. Uh, defensive line, I think there's uh, a lot of potential here and uh, a lot of names that could be in play. 
I would expect, and I think most people would expect Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw to be gone. I think most people expect them to be well gone, but defensive tackle is always an interesting position. You know, sometimes these guys fall a lot further than people expect. Um, You know, Andrew Billings is probably the aggressive example of this, but, you know, there were a lot of people in the draft community who had him as a first round pick, you know, going into that draft. And I think he ended up being a fourth or fifth round pick in his his draft. So, you know, every once in a while, you get one of these defensive tackles that, uh, you know, draft Twitter and, and the draft analysts are high on and they end up going way later than you would expect. So you would expect Kinlaw and Brown to be gone. Um, but you just never know. And I think, you know, similarly to one of those quarterbacks falling, I think if either of those guys did fall to 30, Green Bay would certainly uh, be very smart to at least uh, look at the potential of, of taking one of those players, uh, you know, who can be a little bit more of a gravitational force in the middle of the defense, help Kenny Clark out a little bit. I want to talk about AJ Epinesa a little bit. I know he's uh, deemed a, a, an edge rusher by some. I think he'd be a 3-4 defensive end who can kick inside on passing downs. I would love AJ Epinesa. I'm much higher on AJ Epinesa than most people are. I think I'm going to end with him on the top 15 and on, on my big board when all is said and done. But I, I, he just does his job. I, I relate him a little bit to Justin Smith. And I, I think if he's there, I think Green Bay would potentially take him, even though he's maybe not the, the space-eating defensive lineman that they necessarily need. I, I mean, man, you've got you know Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn Gary on the outsides. You can kick a lot of those guys inside. You've got Kenny Clark. You've got A.J. Epinesa. I mean, man, those guys can just come in waves you know, throughout the course of a season. So he would be a really interesting pick for me. And then you've got guys like Neville Gallimore, uh, Ross Blacklock, Justin Matabuke. I'm butchering a lot of those names, I'm sure. But I I think all three of those guys could be in play at pick 30 or if they move down a little bit as well. And uh, if, if Green Bay did go in that direction, you know, Montrevious Adams and Tyler Lancaster are going to be in a fight, you know, pretty much no matter what, unless they simply just don't address the position, which would be malpractice, in my opinion. This is such a major need. I'm, I'm frankly surprised and, I don't know, maybe disappointed a rough word to say, but I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't addressed this position further already. And maybe they really like the defensive line class in this draft and know that they're going to attack it aggressively. But uh, to me, the four games where they lost, the two games against San Francisco, and I've probably said this eight times on this podcast and I apologize, but the two games against San Francisco, the game against the Chargers, the game against the Eagles, those four teams gashed them, just gashed them running the football. Those were their four losses and they could not stop the run. And they haven't done anything. They have literally done absolutely nothing. They could not have done less at the position this offseason addressing it. Um, I wrote an article last week about how I think they misjudged the defensive line, um, you know, free agency class this year. And I think they overpaid for Dean Lowry a season ago. And uh, if you get a chance, go check that article out on PackerReport.com. But man, I just, I think they really need to address this position. I don't think they've done a good job of doing it so far. And if they do grab one of these players again, I think it's certainly Montrevious Adams. Certainly it seems like he's going to be in a big fight for a roster spot this coming season. Edge, I, I just don't see it. I can't imagine a situation or a scenario. Um, I've talked about some of my philosophies so far where I think you're always smart to draft a really great quarterback. I don't think you should ever draft a running back in round one. You know, one of my other, you know, philosophies is that you can never, ever have enough edge rushers or pass, rush, pass rushers on a team, which is why I'm a believer in Epinesa. And I think he can win not only on the outside, I think he went on the inside. I, can, I think he can do a variety of different things, but 
I just would be really shocked if they spent another premium resource on a, an edge rusher. They just spent a ton of money on Zadarius Smith, a lot of money on Preston Smith. They spent a top 15 you know, draft choice on Rashawn Gary. You you just have a finite amount of resources that you can spend on uh, you know a full team, a full fifty three or fifty five man roster, and you can't spend a ton of resources on one position like that. So I definitely think they're going to address uh, you know that edge rusher you know position at some point. I think they'd love to get some you know some competition for the the Tim Williamses and the the guys that are beyond you know Gary Smith and Smith. So they're going to pick somebody at some point and they should, but I just can't imagine them doing it in in round 1. If they were by some chance, you know, picking someone like a, a Chaseum or you know someone like that uh to, to the end of uh round 1, I, I think it it wouldn't really affect anything else. You know, I don't think the the Tim Williamses and and those type of guys, the Greg Roberts are really expected to to be a major factor anyway, and it's not like Gary Smith or Smith are going anywhere. So it doesn't affect a ton on the depth chart. I just don't see it happening. At linebacker, you know, the, the three names that are going to be in play here, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, and Zach Bond. Love Zach Bond. Love Kenneth Murray. Really like Patrick Queen. I think all would be strong uh, you know, picks at pick 30, now, whether any of them are there, you know, will be, will remain to be seen. I would expect one of those three at least to be there at pick 30 is kind of my current thought process. We'll wait and see, but I do think all three of them would be in play. Uh, I had a chance to break down Zach Bond's tape in, in greater detail this past weekend and, and came away massively impressed. I do think he's an off-ball linebacker who can, uh, you know, shadow as a edge rusher if you need him to. I think he brings a lot of great versatility. Uh, you know, I I've said this on Twitter the other day. I'm not somebody who really enjoys trying to make guesses as to what players are going to look like at other positions. I can do a lot from a film breakdown and, and analytics and and scouting standpoint, I'm trying to project players to other like legitimately whatever NFL scout it was that looked at Sam Shields playing wide receiver at Miami and is like, you know what? He's going to be a corner and we're going to sign him and uh, we're going to make him a, a really good corner in the end. Like whoever has the ability and foresight to look at a player like that and be like, he's changing positions and he's going to start for us. Like, and I know they didn't know he was going to start at the time, but still the, anyone who has that type of ability is just incredible to me. Like that is something that I very, very much struggle with, but you watch enough Zach Bond and you see so many plays where he's dropping back in coverage or he's attacking the ball uh, in, in open space. And you see traits that you know, transition very, very well to an NFL off-ball linebacker. And I think as an edge rusher, I think he's going to get overpowered a little bit at the NFL level by bigger, more powerful and stronger tackles. I think he's still going to find ways to win because that's just the type of player that he is. But I do think he fits really well as an off-ball linebacker. So I think all three of those guys could be in play. It would definitely affect, you know, Oren Burke's uh, path to playing time. That's probably a good thing. Um, Unfortunately, it just hasn't panned out for Oren Burke so far. Definitely could be a little bit tougher on Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton, although, you know, for seventh round undrafted type players, they'd still be in a really good spot to actually be fighting for a roster spot. You know, let's be honest. I think they would both be in line potentially for that that fourth linebacker spot, even if they brought in an early linebacker. And uh, it could definitely have some effect on Christian Kirksey as well. Uh, I think it could move him back to linebacker too if any of those guys live up to expectations as as early as they would, ex- you know, be expected to be. At cornerback, 
you know, a lot of players in play here. You know, Christian Fulton, Trayvon Diggs, maybe C.J. Henderson if he falls a little bit. Jalen Johnson, A.J. Terrell. I mean, A.J. Terrell definitely fits the athletic thresholds. Watch out for Jalen Johnson. This is my, this is my sleeper Packers pick at pick thirty. And, you know, he has a, a high RAS score, not the highest, it's in the eights and, you know, Gutekunst is usually a little bit higher than that, but he's got a high enough RAS score. And this dude is smart and instinctual as hell. I mean, you watch him and the very first thing I know, like every one of his drops in coverage is like the exact right distance that it needs to be. And he knows, he knows what the receiver's doing before the receiver knows it. I, I mean, he's got kind of a Tremont Williams and, and you know, um, Richard Sherman-esque knowledge uh, of what what's going on. He studies tape really, really hard. And uh, just, just a Green Bay Packer type of player, he would fit in the locker room incredibly well. I think he would fit in well with Mike Patton's defense. And I think he would really challenge, you know, Kevin King. And you want to talk about a, a player that just seems like a Packers draft pick? Pac-12 guy with shoulder issues. I mean, does that not sound like a, a high, highly athletic, good locker room, Pac-12 guy with a known injury issue? That is a Packers draft pick, every first round pick every single day of the week. It just is. Trust me, he is my sleeper at number 30 for Green Bay, but trust me, he's a hell of a football player too. So, uh, you know, if they were to go that direction, they'd, they'd be getting a really good cornerback that I think would would threaten Kevin King from day one. So uh, I, I think that's, it. you know, if Green Bay were to go with any of those cornerbacks, um, I think it would very likely end Tremont Williams' time in Green Bay, which is sad for me to say, one of my all-time, you know, favorite Packers. He's, he's probably on my Mount Rushmore of favorite Packers, not best Packers, but just absolute favorite Packers. Just love watching Tremont Williams play football. Um, so that's tough for me to say, but it very much would likely end Tremont Williams' career. There's just too much talent there, right? So you've got Alexander, you've got King, you've got you know first-round draft pick at corner, um, and then you've got Josh Jackson still. You've got uh, Chandon Sullivan. You've got Kadar Holloman. There's just too much talent there. I mean, you you can't. You have to at some point bring up the talent of those young guys. Let Jerry Gray do his work and, and kind of trust those those younger players. So I think it would end Tremont Williams' time, and I think it would really push the rest of those young corners either to get better or you know the the first round pick would would beat him out and see significant playing time. So I think that's what would happen at the cornerback position, and that leaves us with safety. You know, Xavier McKinney would be the guy here. I'm not a big McKinney believer. I want to watch him again, um, you know, but I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in Xavier McKinney. I think, uh, I think he's a little bit redundant. I know they're not the same player, but I think he's a little bit redundant with Darnell Savage with how they play the game. Um, I do think that he would be able to play the box or let Amos play the box and him be the other safety. It's not a bad pick. I, I get how it would fit. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see Green Bay go safety in the draft because I do think they play so much three safety defense, whether that third safety is a box linebacker, or they're playing some bigger nickel. They, you know, Petten does so much stuff and the more athletes that he can get on the field, the more excited he seems to be. So that would not surprise me at all. I think Grant Delpit, Kyle Duggar, uh, you know, Jeremy Chin, Antoine Winfield, I think all those guys could be in play, especially if they were to move down a little bit. I think that's probably a little bit rich at 30 for any of those guys not named Xavier McKinney. For me, it's a little bit rich, even if it were Xavier McKinney. But uh, again, I think safety definitely could be in play. 
uh, it would be a little tough because, you know, they've got two safeties, you would think, for the next two or three years in Adrian Amos and um, and Darnell Savage. And I do think they like Raven Green as well. And that would probably be the player that would be most affected. I think it would certainly eat up a lot of his box linebacker snaps. And I'm, I'm a Raven Green believer. And he, listen, he's got to stay healthy. Um, and this is going to be a really big season for him. But I, I definitely think that he can be a player for the, the Packers defense, whether he's needed at safety or at linebacker. Uh, I do have some faith in him. And, uh, you know, Josh Jackson's played a little bit of safety. Shannon Sullivan's played a little bit of safety. So they have it. Will Redmond too. You know, I, he didn't play, you know, he didn't play great when he was in a season ago, but that was really his first true season at safety. Um, I still think he has a little bit more to offer there than maybe, you know, some fans think as well. So this would be a little bit of a surprising pick for me, but I think, I think it's in play. And I think those are some names that would be in play, uh, if they were to go with safety at pick 30. Lots of options, lots of options for Green Bay. And we're going to, you know, break down all of these positions in much greater detail as we move forward. We're going to, you know, break down a lot of these prospects in greater detail. I'm sure you're going to see some mock drafts from us. Again, you're going to go through uh, some episodes that break down some of that athletic testing in much greater detail. So we have a ton to offer you moving forward as we inch closer and closer to the NFL draft. We can't wait to share it with you. So make sure you're checking us out every day. Go out and subscribe if you haven't already. Like the podcast. Tell a friend. Um, you know, people are quarantined and looking for things to do. Tell them about the Pack a Day podcast, and, and we'd certainly appreciate that. That does it for me today. Make sure to check out Jacob Owen and Russell's podcast tomorrow. They're going to bring their A game as always. Make sure you keep it here for all your Packers draft talk. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy. And until I talk to you next, I'll leave you as always with a massive Go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.